Hey, Jack, why are you reading those old comic books? I don't call them old comics. I call them classic comics. And I'm reading them because classic comic books are good, and the modern comics just aren't the same. What do you mean? I like the modern stories. I like seeing how the characters age and mature and take on better roles. Boy, Doug Breath, have you got a screw loose. It's horrible how modern comics treat some characters. They try to make them interesting when they aren't. They make them act in ways that are weird or different. And don't get me started on how they make them older. They never get the ages right. You know, Jack, you are not being fair. Fans want to see the characters in the new stories. They can't stay the same forever. Oh yeah? Well, what about when they forget about your favorite character? What then, Mr. Smart Alec? Boys, boys, calm down. There are places in comic fandom for both perspectives. Thank goodness we have a medium that allows us, the creators, to write stories in and out of continuity. Isn't that right, June? I agree, Wheezy. And while I can appreciate newer stories, you guys will always be our kids. Wow. This just took a strange turn for the meta. Welcome, dear listeners, to our podcast, Jeff Miller Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. And a very warm welcome to our guests, June Brigman and Louise Simonson. Thank you both very much for joining us again. We really, really appreciate it. And we're really excited to get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, we, we wanted to have you both back on our show together to ask more questions about the beginnings of Power Pack and, of course, about your new book, Power Pack Grow Up. So thank you guys very much for being on our show. Thanks for it's having us. Let's just start by going back way in the past since we have you both on the show. When and how did you two first meet? We met when June came into my office looking for work. June, you can tell that story. Boy, this is going back. Uh, that was that would have been, I believe, about 82 or 3. Well, Power Pack, the first issue came out in 84. I would have been, I think, 83. I came up to New York looking for work. I was staying with a friend who lived in a, a not-so-great neighborhood in the Bowery, was showing my portfolio. And back then, you could just, if you knew somebody who could get you in the door, you could get in the door. And you could walk from office to office, uh, meeting editors, showing your, your work. And I met Wheezy. She was an editor at the time and showed her my work. And I, I don't think she had anything for me, but she did ask me if I knew how to draw children. And I said, yes. Um, of course, I, I only kind of knew how to draw children, but I figure I could learn on the job. And um, <laughs> <You didn't. you> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> But then and, you know, she, told me, she told me about Power Pack, and I basically went back to um, this place I was staying, Sketches, and I think I brought them back in like the next day. And that was, you know, that was... I put them together with the plot for the first issue and the pricey for the next three and the character descriptions, verbal character descriptions, pages. And I said, okay, this is like I had a shooter and said, if you if you like it, we're a team. And speaking of being a team, besides Power Pack, what else did you guys do? Did you guys work on anything else? We worked together since. Yeah. Like on New Mutants and who can remember? June can remember my brain is old, is, is too old for this. <laughs> I, people bring me stuff to sign at conventions. And I'm like, who did that? Uh, <laughs> 
got uh, we did we got a Star Wars miniseries together. Really, I believe right. it. That um, some New Mutants stuff, and um, then we did a little like uh, Power Pack Seven. Was it like a seven or eight page story in this all women comic book? Right. That's that's a uh, girl power. Yeah, it was the girl power right. issue, and that was right. uh, another throwback issue where they babysat Nathan Summers, right. aka Baby Cable, when uh, X Factor was living in ship. Oh, and then we did that job, that uh, Man of Steel job for DC. Yes, we did. That's right. Their convergence thing. I've forgotten about no, that. No. Well, that's pretty great then. So that is a uh, a thirty year history of things that have kind of you've been able to weave in and out of each other's trajectories from time to time. So that's actually really really cool. Since You've been in the industry together for 30 years. Uh, what kind of changes have you seen in the comics industry during that time? Boy, a lot. I've seen that the editors seem to have less power. Our, a lot of the story ideas are handed down from the top in which there will be giant crossovers where the things get together in ways that were much more organized than we did back in the olden days. I don't know. You know, it, that seems to be, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of differences in, in distribution and the, the way that comic shops seem to operate. I like it that there's so many small companies that are springing up now than Marvel and DC that are doing very well. And that makes me quite pleased. Yeah, that's actually kind of neat because they've been finding, uh, there's a lot of, uh, I want to call it niche industry stories that are being told that it doesn't seem like the uh, the main two players would really kind of want to touch into i and there there's some really cool stuff happening so i think honestly it's for the best in the long run i wonder i mean superheroes are always going to be there but i don't think they're going to dominate the market in the future necessarily as much as they have in the past you you think it's going to go go a little bit more towards the um indie kind of comics instead of the big grandiose universes or more along the lines of like a just kind of like personal storytelling, kind of like uh you know uh you know this is this person's life kind of thing. I that's where I think it's going. I don't know. Look at June's great Captain Ginger. Oh, we're going to be talking oh. about that. That's that's next on the list of things to talk about. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> and you know, guys, I would say was it, it's going in all three of the directions you mentioned. Um, I think you know, there's always going to be the 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 superhero genre, and I think though that there's going to be that there's there's still going to be the indie companies and the the more personal work comics have gone so mainstream that there's there's room for all of that now i think there definitely is room for it but i think that you know i do wonder if, if financially if the superheroes will continue to dominate the market in the way that they have in the past i mean i'm loving it that book publishers are now doing graphic publishing graphic novels as well like scholastic mm-hmm. right and abram yeah, and, and the young adult market uh, with graphic novels is is really taking off. Thank goodness. Yeah, I'm doing a couple of those for DC. Great. Hmm. Uh, which characters? Uh, Wonder Woman and uh, Catwoman. Uh, they're they're adaptations of novels that really major YA novelists have written, and I'm just I'm really adapting them for graphic novels. Yeah, that's right. You're adapting the uh, Warbringer uh, novel. Warbringer and Lee Bardugo's book and um, Sarah J. Moss's common uh, book, which is called, oh gosh, what was it? Soul Stealer. Yeah, I had actually read uh, Warbringer because uh, I've drawn a blank on the uh, writer's name, Leah uh, Uh Yeah, I, I like her stuff. Lee Bardugo is the name of the, of the writer. There of we one. go. 
Yeah, it's uh, she seems like a, an interesting person, and also I've uh, enjoyed her other books that I've read. So when I saw that she had uh, written a Warbringer, I was like, oh, okay, here. Oh, I, I was honestly thinking it was going to be like a, a trade, and so I get it. I'm like, this is a book. What's up with this? But now I'll, I'll be able to look at it and train for him as well. That'll be kind of cool. Well, there are a lot of things are getting turned turned into comics. It's interesting the way books are getting turned into comics, and comics are getting turned into movies. I mean, there's an awful lot of. Um, <laughs> fermentation between all these mediums, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of uh, stigma has kind of been removed from different medias where, you know, before it was kind of like, well, small screen, big screen, and those actors and actresses never will meet. And now it's like, oh, yeah, they just kind of go back and forth. And, and like you were saying, kind of, you know, comic adaptation of things or, yeah, just that cross-pollination of uh, storytelling right. where everybody, it's kind of along the lines where it's like, wow, this is just a good story. It doesn't matter how I'm being fed it as long as I have access to it. This is a great way to be able to you know, be entertained and have a story told to me. I think, I think that, that that's also a really interesting turn that's happening right now. in in just, you know, the acceptance of comics as a viable medium. We, we can say it now the uh, most profitable movie of all time, a comic book movie. Yes. It, comics has hit mainstream. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole batch of television shows too, that are based on comics these days. Oh so. yeah. Yes. There is more choices out there for a lot of different type of, uh, of comic related properties. Uh, DC has got their entire Arrowverse going on. The boys has just released on Amazon. Uh, you've got all of the Netflix, uh, uh, Marvel properties that are out there. And, even things like Stranger Things, which it's definitely got a comic book you know, feel to it as far as its presentation. You were mentioning before about Captain Ginger, and before we dive into the all the Power Pack content, I really wanted to gush a little bit over June's work on Captain Ginger. Uh, thank you so much for a great comic book that uh, you and Stuart Moore have made. How did you start working with Ohoy Comics? Uh, well, it, it was through Stuart. Stuart and I had worked together for a, a company called Tishkeel that was based in Kuwait and published comics in the Middle East. Hmm. Interesting. Had some, yeah. some interesting challenges doing that. Um, but, but that was the first time I had worked with Stuart. I guess it was during that time Stuart wrote a story that had a scene at a um, cat rescue place you know, drew a bunch of cats and he liked it. <laughs> and um, so down the road, when he came up with the idea for Captain Ginger, he, he, he thought of me. For he, some reason, put, <laughs> 10 yeah, reasons. <laughs> why would he do that? I think I, <laughs> we, we put together some samples and a proposal and he shopped it around. And this was like, I guess we he started shopping this around probably um, three, three years ago, three, four years ago. And we were getting lots of nibbles, but no bites. Ahoy came along and they uh, uh, hired Stuart to be, I believe, I'm not sure exactly what his title is. It's sort of like an editor in chief title, you know, presented them with uh, the Captain Ginger proposal and they liked it and picked it up. And I'm very, very grateful for that. They've been a, a wonderful company to work for. Um, we were going to kickstart it. We were about ready to kickstart it. And I, I wasn't looking forward to that. Hmm. The timing was really good. And it's, it's just worked out wonderfully. And they're, they're happy with it and happy enough that we're, we're going to do six more issues. I just finished issue five. I think the plan is to have this um, like Captain Ginger 
books come out. I think they're going to start publishing in January, February of uh, 2020. So yeah, there will be more. Yeah, I was going to just ask, how excited are you about the second series? Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I, I really, I love this book. I love these characters. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just thrilled. Stuart really is a terrific writer. He's oh, yeah. really, really good. I, I, you know, would pick up anything that Stuart, not, not, not just even anything June was drawing, because we all know I do that. But um, <laughs> any Stuart, you know, it's going to be good. He's a great, I've, I've been blessed to work with great writers. I mean, I've gotten to work with Wheezy. And, you know, Stuart is another one that is just, is, he's so good. You know, I, I really, when I, I get the plots, I'll finish them. I'll be like, oh, my God. Oh, what what's going to happen? Are they going to be okay? And, you know, um, it it actually, it kind of gets darker. This this next round of books is a, a, little, a little darker than the first round. You kind of almost have to make a little bit of a turn like that just to keep keep the story going forward, keep there to be some real movement in the in the plot and elements just to bring it a little bit darker. But... Oh, it has been a joy to read not only that series, but pretty much anything Ahoy puts out. When we first talked, you had told us about Captain Ginger, and that was the first I'd ever heard of Ahoy Comics, and that was part of their original initial run. I love their stuff. They have amazing content, and you get a lot of content for the dollars that you put down, which is even more impressive, too. It's more like a magazine right, than a comic book. And uh, you do get a lot of bang for your buck. Oh, yes. That's one of the reasons why I, why I think that the, the rise of the smaller publishers is really significant. They can take some chances that some of the bigger publishers don't want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Ahoy Comics and them working with Mark Russell on getting out Second Coming. Uh, DC passed on the book. Ahoy Comics said, oh, we'll take that and we'll put it out. And they are reaping the benefits of it. Yeah. So it, it's it's nice to see it, it's nice to see the little guys really understand what the customers want, understand what the artist wants, and, and how to really make those things intersect. I also think that because they're a smaller company, they can take bigger risks because they don't have as far to fall. The overhead that Marvel has as a comic book company. I mean, you, you'd think that Marvel would be rolling in dough because they're part of Disney now. But in actual fact, it does, I don't think it actually works that way. Maybe supposed supposed to support themselves. And there's a lot of expense in having big New York offices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then when you have the littler companies and you know they, they decide that they're going to base themselves in a little more remote areas and utilize the technology that's available and let you know the artists and writers live where they want to live... We're going to turn that overhead into actual, you know, push it back out into the product and really make it make it work for itself. I also think there's maybe less interference. I don't think there's as much um, approval by committee Mm. with the the bigger companies. I certainly know with Ahoy, we've had they've just been like, yeah, go make comics. Turn us loose and and let us do our thing. Speaking as, you know, a couple of the fans of the work that's coming out of, you know, things like Ahoy and IDW as well and a few of the other, you know, smaller uh, places. We love it. Yeah. We love the comics that are coming out. We love the the new takes on stories and don't stop. Please bring us more. <laughs> and they're different takes as well, which is fantastic because it's it's stuff that you may not have had any access to before. It was very much like uh, with Kwanzaa and his uh, Black series, which uh, 
I don't know if you know about that. It, we talked to him. He actually was a guest on our show reviewing one of your issues for Power Pack. And uh, his comic is about uh, they're superheroes, but they're secret underground. And only people of uh, black ancestry have superpowers. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, and it uh, only you know, and it blends very heavily into kind of like the you know uh, slave culture, you know, the African history. There's a lot of things in there that he's done in his world building that it's not mainstream. It's not what you would normally just kind of be like, "Hey, what's Spider Man doing?" kind of thing. Let's go ahead and take a turn into why a lot of people really tune in and talk about grow up. Your new book, Power Pack Grow Up Number One, is out as of August 28th, and we want to stay right now that this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy section, so that if you, the listener, have not read Power Pack Grow Up Number One, please stop now and go get this book. If you've read it, then go and buy another copy and listen to the rest of this then. You know, get like two or three copies. We don't mind. But you have been warned that the rest of this is going to be spoilery because we're going to be talking about the issue itself. What Rick is basically saying is, spoilers ahead! Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) How exciting was it to go back into this world together, and how much fun was it to revisit these kids after so long away from them? I actually thought it was really fun. Go back, and I actually went back and read, like, I guess, you know, at least 1 through 25. I didn't read beyond that, oddly enough. But I did read the stuff that I had done with June, just to kind of try to get the flavor of the characters, to make sure I... Make sure they were as I remembered them. How about you, June? It, it was great. I remember once an interviewing a, an interviewer asking me, you know, if I were stuck on a desert island and could only draw one comic book character for the rest of my life, who would it be? But I can pick four. And it, it, would, it would be Power Pack. Maybe a cat or two thrown in there. <laughs> they could have a pet. They could have pets. It was great to come back. I, I feel like it was a second chance. And it was great to come back because, I mean, I, I love the characters and it's always great working with Wheezy. Now, I just, I know more. I mean, after doing this for like 35 years, I've figured out a few things. I, I could just relax and enjoy the characters and enjoy, you know, drawing these stories much more now than, than when I was first starting. And actually, I mean, I loved your drawing from the very beginning, which you know, but the, the, the original plot that you drew was originally supposed to be 30 pages. And then they said, you, you said you could only do 22 because you have so, uh, so many other commitments. So I cut it and cut it and cut it down to 22, but it was still so crowded with action and character stuff. And you managed to, you pulled it off. I mean, it was just amazing. It was so active and so beautiful. I don't know. You could look at, you could tell what was going on. Everybody was, you know, feeling as they were supposed to feel. It was just great. Let me thank you right now. You did a lot of butt saving on the last part of this job because towards the end there, I'm just, I'm drawing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if this makes sense or not. I hope Wheezy can help me with this. And you did. <laughs> Your writer asked me to do the impossible and you did it. So yay you. It was, it was, it's been a while since I've tried to do anything like this, but um it you know it was fun to get back into for a lot of characters it was power back friends who really saw in the beginning of the book but then wolverine and kitty and friday and of akanti space whales and 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 rude and kofi I mean, that's a lot of people to fit in 22 pages. And looking through this art, I mean, it is gorgeous, gorgeous art. You did a fantastic job. It looks beautiful. It looks clean. It looks very detailed. It's 
it's gorgeous work. It's you you all should be very proud of this book. This is a wonderful, very loving callback to the power pack of issues one through twenty five. It's the it's the early season, the early beginnings of power pack, and it's a very much a love letter to that. And I know I don't know if I can speak for Rick, but when I was reading it uh, last night, I was doing so with just a big smile on my face, and I was looking at it, and occasionally I just kind of look up around the room with a smile, and I'm like. Nobody here, nobody in the room with me knows what's going on. My kid's playing at the, on the floor and Hillary's doing this, but I'm just so happy. And then I go back to reading. Was this story always kicking around or did you start to develop it when you got the call from Marvel? When I got the call from Marvel, never even occurred to me to, it was just, I, it hadn't occurred to me to do another Power Pack story because I thought it was over. And we've seen other people grow Power Pack up in a lot of ways and a lot of different ways. So it just seemed appropriate that after all these years, it's been a year later, their powers. This is pretty much a year after they got their powers. Alex had gotten that telescope for his birthday. That one right. the, where they first bought. Oh, that's the, right. Yeah. It was, you know, it was just a year later, essentially, from when they were. And it just seemed appropriate, all things considered. And this is the thing that a Wheezy story so great are, are the character bits. I mean, a lot of people can write superheroes and superhero fights and aliens, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's the character bits that really make these stories come alive for me. And I just thought it was so smart to center the story around a birthday party for Alex. That kind of tween age and all the angsting and woeing that comes with being a, you know, not quite a kid, not quite a teenager, and he's interested in a girl, but what does he do? And, and it's, and, you know, Katie's, you know, still resenting being a baby and Julie's just being, you know, kind of the serious, you know, middle child and Jack's just being, you know, grumpy and, and, you know, it's all that character stuff that she worked into this plot that, you know, really, I don't know, to me, that's, that's what sets power pack apart. Well, thanks. I think I, I appreciate that. I, I think Julie in the story's feelings are a little hurt because her brother's really, I mean, they've been the four of them really close because they're a team and suddenly he's growing away from her. And I think there's all of them really the urge to hold on. So it was kind of a story about letting go too. What's fascinating to me. And, and I, I'm going to speak for myself because I know that Jeff has not read it yet. And I don't know if either of you have read the pre-issue for the uh, future foundation that just came out in fantastic four. Uh, no, I, I haven't seen any of them, actually. Okay. Jeremy Whitley is going to be writing Future Foundation, and that first issue is coming out this week, I think. But they did a pre-issue as a backup story in Fantastic Four number 12. And so in the backup story, it's got Alex, who's grown up and who is um, out in space, and he's in charge of the Future Foundation. And they go and get Julie, who's just broken up with her girlfriend, and she's basically has decided that sitting on a couch watching daytime soaps is her way of coping with this. Jeremy Whitley does a fantastic job of the of, of Alex and Julie just kind of picking back up where they left off, even though they both had different adventures in life. They come back together, and the first thing is, is like, you know, she's critiquing the stubble of facial hair he's got on his face, and he's critiquing, oh my gosh, you smell terrible. Why haven't you taken a shower? And they just get back into that brother and sister kind of picking on each other, but then there's also the, you know, 
oh my gosh, give me a big hug. You know, where have you been? What have you been doing? Of course, I'll help you. That camaraderie too. It's fascinating to kind of juxtapose what you've got here and what Jeremy Whitley's got there and seeing how they're very complementary to each other. So I, it, it, it's really very cool. And I think it's pretty impressive too because I, I know you haven't read his stuff. He definitely has read yours, so he's definitely picked up on that. But it's, it's nice that these two stories written kind of in a vacuum to each other, play off each other really well. Sounds like it's it's really nice that he's continued that, you know, kind of sibling dynamic with the characters. And, and I think that's very true to life. You know, I think you get these relationships um, when you're a child and growing up that continue right on into adulthood. You, these are patterns, you know, of, your, of, your, of interaction that, yeah, they, they kind of, you kind of start out, you work them out early, kind of keep on. Keep on keeping on. It's kind of <laughs> it's one of the things that makes it when you meet your siblings, you know, like, like my family gets together every couple of years for a big family reunion. And when my sisters, it's as if we hadn't been apart. They're, those sibling ties are so there. And I, probably the same kinds of interactions, I bet. Yeah, you can have that with uh, family, definitely, and friends as well, where you don't see them for, you know, two, three, five, ten years, and you see them again, you just get right back into the uh, the swing of the of the relationship, which is always really nice. Yeah. The setting and plot of this book is very good, and I think we've talked about how happy it just made us reading it, mm-hmm. but we really love the callbacks to the Marvel of the late 80s and early 90s. What, if any, were your biggest challenges you faced in recreating the look, feel, or sound of the characters and scenes of that time? I think a lot of that was up to June and she did it so, so great. I, I love the um, the crowd in Central Park that were getting ready to listen to the Lila concert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, sneak anybody else that you know into the crowd? I don't know. I can't remember. I, there there might've been somebody who looked like my husband back in the crowd there. Uh, I always try to try to sneak him in. And um, but most of it was just based on that time, because, you know, I'm old enough. I lived it. Uh, I lived through the shoulder pads and the fanny packs and the mohawks and the piercings and the punk rock scene and all of that that was going on. So, you know, and and the mullets, you know, and torn t-shirts. I I tried to work in all that stuff in that crowd scene. It it, it was just fun. And speaking of like the big callbacks and incorporating a lot of old stuff, how much of this is not only a power pack love letter, but also a little bit of an X-Men love letter because you've got like the Akanti, you've got the brood, you've got Lila. How fun was it for you Weezy to, to kind of do those callbacks to some of the obscure X-Men stuff. You know, it, it was both obscure and logical perspective. I mean, I wanted to bring Kofi into it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be off in space and, and then, the, you know, it's who appeared most with Power Pack were Kitty and Wolverine. Right. Mm-hmm. Them in and then you say, well, gosh, I mean, I could do Snarks again, but Probably not time yet to do snarks. I, I always loved the Akanti. I just I thought that was such a great idea. These giant that you know got turned into into spaceships, which I think were borrowed from from somebody's novel. I think Chris Chris kind of somebody's novel when he created the Akanti. I don't remember who so, but I they they I thought they just looked great, and it was it kind of maybe sets up something that I might want to do in the future when we do something next. So, um, you know, it was just fun. 
doing, you know, Kitty and Wolverine just because not that not that the kids the kids would have been fine without them. It, it was it was nice having them in there and they incorporated in the story very well. Editor was actually happy to have X Men in there too because I think she thought it would sell better. <laughs> <laughs> Never hurt. June with doing the Acante and um the brood how much of your own research did you have to do going back and, and looking at those or was that from memory? Oh no, I, I had to, I had to Google that. Uh, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember the brew, but when I read in the, in the plot of Conti, I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I saw them, I was like, Oh wow, this is going to be cool. I really enjoyed drawing them. And those are some of my favorite pages in the book. Shout out. Shout out to the colorist, um, Tamara. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. It looks like Bon Villain. It might be Bon Villain. But Tamara did a great job coloring. And got to give props to my husband who um, who inked it. But but that's those are some of my favorite pages are, are the Acanti pages. I, I love the color on that. And they were just, they're really cool to draw. I, I keep coming back to the first page with Alex leaning out the window and the kids looking up. There's something about that composition of that page that it just grabs you right from the start. That's the one that I want to have up on my wall for some reason. I don't know why, but because okay. there's a lot of great art in here, but that one just really jumps out at me for some reason. I, I love that picture of the kids. It was a very power pack page, wasn't it? Very yeah, much very so, yes. This is a growing up story, really focusing on the kids aging, especially since there's an obvious time delay between now and when you last wrote them. Was this deliberate nod to the inevitable aging of these characters, or was this just, again, for convenience sake? Um, I suppose it was kind of a deliberate nod, I guess. It was a choice that I made a year older. It's been, gosh, is it? 35, 40 years. I don't know, a long time since backstory 35 was years. Done. Yeah, well, the first one came out in uh, August of 84, so there's 35 years basically now. Right, that they should maybe age a few months. I mean, they were, I guess the, the last major story that we did was the Christmas special. Of course, right. back the way they original and costumes back the way they were originally done. That was, so that was, that happened in winter around Christmas time, you know, several months after that. If it were up to me, they would only age, Power Pack would only age one year for every 35 years. Oh, <laughs> I agree with you, June. I, I think that's a good idea. And now also you can have three more. No, and if you can count Kofi or Franklin, you can have up to five more birthdays to celebrate with uh, fun adventures. That could be an entire another series is just the birthday series. <laughs> As much as I agree with you, I also do like the Future Foundation stuff. They're doing really good with those kids. But you can have two divergent storylines. You can have, have two the uh, you can have the uh, current timeline stuff, and then you can have you know callback callback series, which I think is fine as well. I mean, uh, like look at a lot of the stuff that's being written right now. I think like uh, with Thor, uh, they're doing kind of three different uh, types of telling the story ages where they're like, okay, this is Thor way in the past during Viking ages. Okay. Here's Thor, Thor during the uh, current storyline and here's Thor billions of years in the future. So I think there's totally a place for uh, being able to do uh, future foundation stuff and being able to do, you know, original stories from the, uh, from the eighties. I think that works perfectly fine. And a lot of that stuff, nothing has been established, I guess that I know of anyway, because I have no idea uh, except for in, only in the very vaguest sense of what people have done with our characters 
I sort of didn't want to know. So I didn't want to be annoyed at anybody. And actually, it sounds like I probably would be pleased. But um, they've treated them all very well, I think. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I was going to I, I want to ask a specific question of June, because there's one scene in this that really stuck out to me. And I need to know a little background on it. It's the scene where Alex meets Wolverine in the forest and Wolverine is leaning up against a tree and he is about to eat a stick of gum. If this was the 80s and this was being drawn with Wolverine, that was going to be a cigarette, correct? It was a cigar. A cigar, cigar, sorry. I'd already drawn it and the editor said, you know, (laughs) smoking. And I'm like, well, I've already drawn this and he's got his hand up to his face and I don't want to have to change it into something that looks weird. So I thought, well, what do people do who can't smoke? I caught it right away. It, it's it's fantastic. I love it. And I think that whether you meant to or not, there's a definite um, subtext that's there about here's something that's a throwback that has since changed that we can't quite do. There, there's an entire conversation that goes on with that scene because of that small change. So I love it the way it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> You really want to be around Wolverine when he's quitting smoking? No. <laughs> what would have been funny, instead of going for the stick of gum, you could have just gone for like a New York slice of pizza and he's just got a slice of pizza in the middle of the woods for no reason. <laughs> that could work too. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the uh, second uh, story. Again, I just have a couple of questions about uh, from the second story. I, I wish that we could have Gory Hurry on as well for, you know, talk about their drawings and, and just thank them for all the work that they did, because I think it's beautiful artwork that they have in that second story. And it's a nice call out to Guruhuru as being the artist for the all ages comic books. Because Katie was so, because we've made such a big deal about her Lila doll to think of a second story. It was like, Hmm. Yeah. We'll do a story with a doll. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the story. So. I think it's a very cute story. That actually is the, uh, I, I think my favorite part of the book is the very last panel, just because you know they're all, they're all they're all family. They're all happy with each other. They're all hugging and just like you know, Alex is amazed that uh, Katie got him. You know, gave him his her favorite you know action collectible figurine right now and had I, it signed by and, Lila herself. By Lila herself, yeah, yeah, by Lila. And so that that was just the warmest, fuzziest feeling in my heart was the very last panel on that. But uh, I also love the fact that you you brought Lila in there. Uh, why Lila? And also, I love the fact that she's not there. She's just, it's its the background concert. What what prompted uh, the addition of uh, Lila Cheney and having, having them go to a birthday concert? Back in the 80s, um, we lived two buildings over from Central Park. Um, was where Power Pack lived, two buildings over from Central Park. There used to be concerts in the sheet metal all the time. I mean, we're going to bring, you know, drama from outer space coming in with explosions and fireworks. So it seemed appropriate that we have fireworks. Hmm. Well, how will we get everybody? Why would everybody be there in the middle of summer concert? I mean, it was just New York logic, essentially. That works out great. And yeah, and Lila ties into uh, the Marvel Universe really well, and especially the X-Men. In this, uh, in this issue, you really had a chance to uh, spotlight Alex and Katie. When do you think you're going to come back and give uh, Julian Jack some love, too? Oh, pretty soon. I Well, I don't know. June, when will we, how soon will we be able to do that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, it looks like, uh, I, I think I can say this, that we will be doing um, a five-issue miniseries. <laughs> Asked to. The future, 
near future, um, but I'm not sure when. So, and I have commitments. So, I mean, I can get my part done, and then she just she's going to have to draw it, which is it's time consuming. You've got Captain, you know, a whole new Captain Ginger series to do. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I probably wouldn't be able to start it until like April. But hey, you know what? There is a very strong power pack community out there, and it will be our pleasure to keep that in here and to let everybody know that because Jeff and I are just over here. We're just dancing a little bit. We're excited. Love, love, love you two uh, together and what you do. So very excited about that. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thank you know just thanks for supporting Power Pack. Yeah, it's it's great, and you do such a nice job with your show. We really try to. We, we have fun with it. We have fun talking about these issues, and we have fun reaching out and pulling in a very interesting community of people who like to listen to the show, who read the books, who like to talk about them. And that leads us perfectly into my next segment, because that's called a segue, um, into talking about some of the questions that our fans have. And, of course, we always start off with my daughter, Carrie who is sitting here very patiently on my lap right now. She snuck into the room. You want to say hi, Carrie? Hi. Carrie. Thank you for letting us read this early for the interview. I really liked how Alex chose his family over his girlfriend, and I really like how Katie gave her brother the Lila action figure. It was very nice. It was a really neat st- to see the new story. I'm glad you liked it. We had a lot of fun doing it. How much fun did you two have making this book together? It was a I, ton. I had a whole lot of fun. I hope June did too. Did it, it? It was it was challenging, but it was fun because I got to draw so many different characters. My friend and I like making comics, but we both like to draw and write. How do you work together to make comic books? Because we live in very in whole different parts of the country, and then June draws the pictures. But I bet you and your friend live close together, right? Um, kind of. He's moving right now. But he's still going to be in the same area, right? Yeah. And you'll still see him. You guys actually get together and talk to each other? Uh, yes. Every Monday. Oh, do you? Oh, lovely. Well, then... I guess you can, so who's, are you going to write the story together and draw it together? Or are you going to, one of you writes it and the other one draws it? How's it going to work? Well, we kind of work on different kinds of books, but I really want us like to like work on the same book together, but then like who's going to take it home? Oh. oh, I see. Hmm. You know, one thing we had, I had that happen with a book I was working on one time with two different artists that were working on the same book. It was a book called Meltdown. And we split up the characters. We had two major characters. One was Wolverine and the other one was Havoc. And we split them up so that they, the characters were quite often on different pages. And that meant that both the artists could work on it at the same time. I don't know. Could you? I don't know what. But I don't know what your story is like. So I don't know if you could do that. Maybe. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to ask? Not really, but I really like how you guys like get, let us read it early for like the interview. Well, I'm I'm glad that we were able to do that. That was that was our pleasure. Yes, it was. I, I'm glad you liked. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then you're welcome. Bye, Carrie. Bye. Um, 
Thank you guys very much. All right, we'll just go into our listener questions now. Power Pack fan asks, why did you do the power switch in issue number 25? Because I felt like it. <laughs> Interesting. I had, always, I had always in my mind, the kids had gotten the powers that they needed out there. When, when, when Elfar White Mane died, his powers, and he, he sort of released his powers, that they were kind of for the taking. When the kids needed their needed a specific power to have, usually to escape some bad thing that was going to happen, that's the power they got. Jack got the cloud power probably because he needed it last, and that was the one that was left. But you know what? <laughs> With that power, that is one fighting kid. Jack can take any power and make it his. Yeah. It's right. Although I That's think it would right. be fascinating to see him with the uh, lights. No, actually it wouldn't. If he had the light speed power, he'd just be, uh, he would get in more trouble, I think. He'd be zippy punchy, but also pranky man. Yeah. Yeah. That would be his hero name, would be Pranky Man. It would be, that would be, I'd be kind of fun to see. I, I expect when we do the next story, we keep the powers they have. Could switch them around. You know, it, do whatever we want. Exactly. Well, I'm really not sure what what we'll do. We'll come up with something, but that's that's the fun of it. We can we can play with these characters, and I think if Jack had the light speed power, I think he would feel like he was being very girly with the rainbow effect. It could be hilarious. No, you know what i I think he's a little I think he's a little deeper than that. I think that he would figure out a way to make to, to own it himself. He would he figure would. out. A way. Probably make it go solid and then wrap it around the bad guys. Right. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing he wouldn't do is he would not take the pink costume. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would not. Yeah, he'd learn how to weaponize a rainbow. Yes, he would weaponize a rainbow. <laughs> Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist from the Long Box Crusade, he asks, "If Marvel called tomorrow and asked you to do a twelve-issue run of Power Pack, how would you feel about that?" You know what? We already have the answer. <laughs> We already have this answer. I just realized it. Do you have one more year of power pack stories inside you, or do you feel that you have a sense of fulfillment with nothing left to say on those characters? I think it sounds like you guys definitely have more stories inside that you want to tell. I think I, I, I do. Um, I honestly, when this one came up at first, I was like, gee, do I, but the more I think about it, why I actually like the idea of aging them just a little bit, pushing Alex right over the edge of teenagehood and in the dynamic that that might set up, I think it opens a whole new world realm of possibilities. Oh so yeah. I, I think I, there, I've got plenty more stories to tell and I want to bring Franklin Richards in again. Oh yes. I do too. Um, that he and, and Katie are the same age. And I love how they, they kind of mix it up and um, that, that would be a lot of fun to do. Jeremy Daw asks, given how well you handled sensitive issues in the past, are there any stories you feel compelled to do now, especially with the uh, current issues of today? Oh, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll do something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, Rich. There's an awful lot of stuff out there. I kind of would like to do another snark story, maybe in a different kind of way. I would like to do a story do about a young female snark hmm. really interesting to see I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in the, the the social setup of the snark empire there's 
interact. They have this, the, the, the male has this harem of females who actually tend to run things. Yeah. And fight it out among each other, you know, often to the death. So I think that would be, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but I think it would be fun to do. Would you ever want to have the Power Pack kids mirror your politics? I think they do. They just don't talk politics, but they definitely mirror them. Would you want to put in stories that would, um, I don't want to say make make Power Pack political, but I mean, do, would you ever want to put in stories that would lead, a, uh, have more of a conversation, political conversation inside the book? You know, I'm, I don't think so. The conversation would be covert rather than overt, I think, simply because it really is a kid's book. Okay. That the kids are dealing with would I, they would certainly if they find themselves because this is what happens as John Figueroa helped me do it mirror they, it mirrors what's going on in the outside world yeah I mean that kind of thing um, we already did guns guns I mean there's a lot of stuff we could do and that we wouldn't necessarily have to set it on Earth to make a point I, I want stories that make people think about why things are right and why they're wrong. You, you have, you're capable of doing that. I think you're, and, and that is also what a lot of good science fiction does. Yes. Use, you know, use different settings, future settings, alien settings to comment on our world, our earth. You know, I think you're, some writers can handle relevancy. Some can't. It, it shouldn't be, you know, like hitting the reader over the head with a two by four. I think what you're saying is if it's a, an issue that's relevant to uh, children the age of power pack. Right. It could it could happen. You know, that could work in. Yes. Radioactive Dog Welder asks, did you ask to use the uh, X-Men characters or because it was in the past, they just let you use them? I use them. You know, the editor may even have mentioned that we could use them to me at the time. I don't remember, but I would never have used them without permission. I mean, that's just stupid, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you want the story and they say, oh, yeah, the story's great, except you can't do it. AJ asks, due to the sliding timeline as Gen Z kids, do you think the Power Siblings would be social media famous? No, I don't know if they would, because like, that would be up to the, the people who are doing modern comics now. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be our comic. If they get famous in somebody else's comic, that's, you know, up to whoever own up versions of them. But if, if you were writing them in today's world, would you write them as being social media famous? I don't know. Um, I think being famous is you necessarily want to be more. It's kind of a nightmare, I think. You know, people are, I know they're, 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 villains are out to get you. Villains are out to get your family in, in this in the superhero universe, anyway. Um, and in the real in real life too, a lot of very famous people have bodyguards. Can you imagine family all the time? You know, they. I mean, it, they certainly wouldn't be famous as themselves. They might be. They might be famous as a superhero team that nobody knows who they really are, like Superman. But um, I, I certainly wouldn't reveal their identities. I don't think because I, I wouldn't want to put them through that. Yeah, I don't think that they would be social media famous because it's not like they ever stick around for accolades. They're usually working, you know, a lot of the stuff they're doing, if they're in space, they're down in the Morlock tunnels, they're, you know, they, you know, it's at night. They're, they're, they're not like at the major crime scene going, don't worry, power packs here. We're going to save the president from the burning building and the orphans. 
you know, they, they're never, they're never doing anything like that. They're always, uh, very much like, okay, we got to get home. Let's go. <laughs> so there, yeah, there they're is kind of around being secret heroes. Yeah, very much so. Keep it that way, which is not to say that I, that a story wouldn't come up where, you know, they field as a, as a team and, 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 you know, were you know, had their own measure of fame. On the other hand, it's the Marvel universe. There's a lot of characters in the Marvel universe. Maybe, maybe it isn't be Spider-Man, you know, or mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four. They, they, there are, there are plenty of low level heroes that they, they might disappear. They might aspire to disappear into that group if they actually got noticed. Yeah. As you said, there are so many uh, heroes to be found. They could easily just get lost in the wash. I think they would try to do that because I, Think it, I think being famous is not as much fun as it looks like it is. They're famous to us because we love them. Exactly. <laughs> John from the Married with Comics podcast asks, does Marvel's inconsistent aging of the various Power Pack characters and Franklin annoy, amuse, or escape your notice altogether? My notice, all, notice altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they. I know they do that, but they, they seem to be, Marvel, it looks to me like Marvel is kind of, kind of ignoring continuity to, I mean they used to be continuity rigid mm-hmm. where uh, one thing followed after another and now it's kind of all over the map it looks like so what it is you kind of slot it into a different part of a timeline I guess Franklin Richards the way they, they keep aging him and de-aging him and doing weird things with Franklin has always made me completely crazy but that's just because I feel sorry for him Al Sedano at the Warlock Thanos podcast asks uh did you ever have any plans for bringing back Rebecca, the girl who teleports via light from issue 37, either in Power Pack or in Mutants or X Factor? No, because I think she was she was in the very last issue that I wrote, I think, wasn't she? I We haven't made it up that far yet. And of course, as I was saying that, I was like, I was even thinking, is that John Bogdanov's? But I'd have to I look that up. I, somebody else who drew that. I don't remember... Who? Sorry, person who drew it. But you are familiar with the character. Did you ever think about bringing her into Power Pack or New Mutants or X Factor? Mm, no, because I was leaving the book. Ah. Um, you know, I could in theory. She was actually a conversation I had with one of my friend's daughters. So the child is named Rebecca for Rebecca Littlehales. So all grown up. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> 40 years old now. Um, but it's it's based on, on on a conversation we had about power pack, if she had powers, uh-huh. what power did she choose. But no, I had not actually thought of bringing her into it, which doesn't, which is not to say that I wouldn't. Well, I'll just go ahead and plop that. We'll plop that seed down there for you and you can use that in the future if you wanted. <laughs> New ideas. The Hammer Strikes asks, what is your favorite power pack story that you two created together? I think June should answer this one because you know what? I've been talking too much. <laughs> I'm sorry. A lot of these, a lot of these were kind of focused towards you. I apologize, June. <laughs> just writer stuff. I just, I just draw stuff. I just draw the pictures. My, my favorite story is the one where um, I think it's called the, the, the kid who fell to earth and it introduces Kofi. And then it also brings um, Franklin Richards in. I, I think that was maybe the last story I drew in the run in the original run of Power Pack. And it also introduced Jackal or Jackal, who was the uh, an interesting character too. It was, it was a great story. And it was, it was a little bit darker than a lot of the stories. I mean, you know, Franklin was having these, these really scary premonitions about what was going to happen. 
you know, he sees them fulfilled and, you know, he's this, this tiny little kid who's now being, having to, to confront these horrible monsters. And um, I don't know, it, it was, it was a good story. And I, I really like the interaction between Katie and Franklin. It was, it was, you know, this great fantasy, but it was also very, very real in, in the emotions and, and the interactions. I agree with June. I vote for the same one. That was, uh, I was just looking at our list and we currently have that as our ninth favorite story. So it's, it is one of our favorite ones as well. What is your favorite? Uh, our favorite one right now is, uh, Power Pack 25, Power Trip. Yeah, that was, well, that was kind of paying off on the whole, the, the, that, that whole kid that fell to earth story in a way. Yes, that, that, that kind of is the, the end of that, the Jackal saga, uh, a lot of a lot of different things happened in between there, but it, it was the finale of the the Snark Wars. They all switched their powers. It it just was a fantastic issue. It was a wonderful issue. But our second favorite our second favorite is still Guess Who's Coming to Dinner because there is nothing better than our Katie Power having a surprise Thanksgiving dinner with all of the superheroes. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah, we love that so much. It, everybody loves that so much. It, it just gets referenced uh, not infrequently, where people are like, "Hey, do you remember the the, the you know the, the the Thanksgiving episode?" It's like, "Yes, yes, yes, we do. It's great." And the penciler for Power Pack Thirty Seven was Sal Veluto. Veluto, that's right. Good. And <laughs> when the time comes, so we uh, we sound like we remember who everybody was. <laughs> uh, Gibson asks if you were to create Power Pack today. What changes would you make with their attitude, or dynamics, or looks? And would you still have Alex say G? In 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 a modern context of the media and cell phones and all of that, yes. I think it's, I, I don't know that that's how they look would be. I don't know, June. Would you change how they look? Um, I mean, maybe a little. I I, I mean, there, there's some things about their costumes that are very 80s. I mean, those boots. I think I basically <laughs> put on some snow boots. Had when I first moved to New York. Those boots are awesome. Uh, but there's a redesign. I don't know who did it of Alex's G power that I really like. Looks very cool and is actually much easier to draw than what I came up with. So I, I would probably go <laughs> redesign on Alex um, and you know maybe change their boots a little. But but basically leave it alone. I agree. I was. Uh, I wouldn't. I. I wouldn't change their personalities at all. I feel like they are who they are. And, and you'd still have Alex say G. Oh no, I'd probably have him say something that modern kids say, but I have no idea what that is. I'd have to ask my grandchildren <laughs> at this point in my life. Okay, uh, that leaves me. This is a complete segue away. We just finished this up. It was when uh, Johnny brought the gun. You know, the gun was going to kill Alex, and they became friends. You know, at, after a hobgoblin had kidnapped the both of them, uh, you have uh, Alex say your mother's mustache to uh, Johnny Rival. And where did that come from? Because it is an absolutely my favoriteest thing that is, I've ever heard, and I had no idea where it's from. It doesn't sound like something I would write, but then I run across that all the time. It's like. <laughs> Me and Rick were discussing it. It was just like, well, I think this is a thing that nobody says, but Alex thinks that people should say it like he heard it once or he misheard something. And he's like, yeah, of course, this is a cool thing to say. Ah, you mutter's mustache. I bet the thing would say that. And he's pretty sure the thing would say it. And he thinks the thing is cool. So therefore, he's going to say it, too. Love it. Okay, perfect. perfect. 
That's now canon for me. He got it from Ben Grimm the Thing. <laughs> or from something he thinks Ben Grimm the Thing would say. <laughs> I'm sure he overheard it. He probably overheard it when he was visiting the Fantastic Four and their and their and Richard and, and, and Franklin and all of that. Sounds perfectly plausible to us. We have now uh, entered we we've now have our last two uh fan questions, and this is where things get really silly. So uh, we'll start off with Power Pack Nation. Go ahead. Yeah, and uh, their first question is: What foods are not Franklin Richards' favorites? No, he's a pretty, he. He seems to eat a lot of stuff, doesn't he? And, and they, a lot of things are his favorites. They are. Me, he loves foods. We, we we've actually started our own drinking game with it. Every time he says, "Oh boy, that's my favorite," not only do we take a drink, but we list off all the things he's already said previously that are his favorites. <laughs> a little soup for one. One of his favorites. Yeah. So is. So is there anything that's not his favorite? Think. I don't think he likes sushi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I June, do you have an opinion on this? I don't I don't know. Um when I was drawing Franklin, I I think I was picturing little John Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should find out what John Byrne absolutely will not eat. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we want to do that. <laughs> I'm just so seriously going to love hearing that. I think he'll be. I think he'll be really pleased. We got to get him to listen to our show. There you go. I'll just uh, follow that up with saying that Power Pack Nation uh, wanted to thank Wheezy for being the super nicest person they had ever met. Uh, yeah, apparently they met you at uh, Garden State Comic Fest not too long ago, and they had nothing but delightful things to say about you. Well, that's sweet. Well, they're great too. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and the final questions, as always on our list, come from our fan Tim Price, who. Um, he is our he is on the show as one of our guests and he does the voice of Johnny Rival and he decided that he was going to do Johnny Rival's voice as uh James Cagney. And oh god. Oh god, <laughs> it works. It is just it is a thing to behold. It really is. It was very funny. <laughs> He's a great guy too. Yeah. Uh, that was very interesting to record that one. And it was interesting because No, it was uh, very interesting just because it, it's guns at school. School shooting. Luckily, there you guys. The way you guys did it, there wasn't a school shooting. It just he had the gun at school, um, and then he afterwards at the park when him and Alex are fighting. That's when he pulled it out on Alex. But it's very, it's very much in the news too. And so it, you know, we we started off the we started off the show with us just saying, you know, we're going to do a, a warning for everybody here. We're going to be talking about kids with guns kids pointing guns at each other and you know kids having guns and shooting them if this is something that's uh, a subject that is not you're not comfortable with we completely understand but we just kind of wanted to give a blanket warning and we we had fun with the surrounding story but you know we, we did seriously talk about some of the things that you know with him having the gun and how that kind of dealt with how it's a little bit different back then until it's and what it's like now and trying to do the same kind of story nowadays which would be Honestly, much more difficult. Back then, I I did that story because our friend John Figueroa taught, he was talking. I think I told you that story, right? About his his little sister finding a gun thrown away no. under a bush. No, you you had not. Okay, well that was that was because of John. John John was the inspiration for a lot of these stories. Actually, in the darker part was John. Thank you, John. <laughs> and who was John? Was one of my daughter's friends from well it was in i guess they met in intermediate school well they were in is 44 mm -hmm. it's on into high school he and and um ruth and jenny and john were friends all through you know intermediate school and then high school and john lived over in the projects 
where it and it, and it was during rough time. The eighties were, were were it was drug crazy. I mean, it was a, a crazy time to be living in the in Manhattan. You know, John would come in. He'd say, "Why don't you do a story about this? This is a, this is something important happening in my neighborhood." And I'd say, "Okay, <laughs> great." And that, that was where a lot of the dark stories came from. They were really based in fact. I would assume so, just the way that they were they were running. Later on, when, when um, John Bogdanov was drawing, I, I must have taught, I can't believe I didn't tell you this story. Later on, when John Bogdanov was drawing the, the Garbage Man story, um, he actually went and climbed climbed up a fire escape and peered into a crack house because he had he needed to see what a crack house looked like. I'm writing those scripts for those stories now. And yeah, that's exactly what the kids do. They basically are peering into a crack house to look and see what it's like inside there. And he just did that from his own personal experience. That's great. <laughs> John, John, yes, John, the, the, the uh, I guess the impetus was John Figueroa, but the guy who climbed in to look at the crack house was John Bogdanov, the artist. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I really need to see what this looks like, and uh, figure out like, yeah, oh, there's a crack John, house over there. Yeah. Our, John is on our list of people that we are going to interview, and we're we're kind of waiting until we get into his writing of the stories, and then we're going to pull him in and talk to him about a lot of stuff. But I'm kind hey. of pushing that down the line a little bit until we get up to those areas. Sure, that's understandable. But you know, just remember to ask him about climbing into the into look up the fire escape, look in the window of the crack house. That will be on my notes. Tim asks, do you want to see Jack and Katie used by other creators like has happened with Alex and Julie? If they do a good job, see your characters go on to other, you know, get they grow up beyond you like children do. But uh, you, you don't want them to be badly used. So, you know, I'm cool with it. If they don't, then I'm mad at them. <laughs> yeah, June, what's your opinion on that? No, I, I agree. Um, you know, if, if they're used well and, you know, with, with, Love and care. Yeah, sure. So as long as they do a good job, you're great with people using your product. <laughs> it's like, these are our progeny. Take them out into the world. Show them the sights. Yeah. Treat them well. Hey, wait. Why did he, why'd my kid come back with a scuffed knee and a broken nose? No. Bad other creator. Bad. Exactly. <laughs> do not make Alex the Dark Phoenix. That's all we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> the final question that he has uh, is... Kids of all ages, like me, enjoy macaroni and cheese. My favorite is a homemade recipe. I do with sharp cheddar and wagon wheel pasta. What is your favorite pasta and cheese casserole? And what are the power kids? Oh, goodness. I, they like straight mac and cheese. I'm sure they would, they would love his. In fact, I think that if he could go over to their house and cook it for them right now, <laughs> they would be thrilled. You know, <laughs> get the pasta, get the cheese, and get to the stove. <laughs> They're growing kids. Are. Sounds good. I wouldn't mind some myself. Do you each have your own favorite pasta and cheese casserole recipes? Sure. I don't. Do you? I don't. You go ahead, June. I have my mother. It's, it's my mother's, and it's 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 a church lady recipe. Um, it's one of those recipes that makes mass quantities easily. Secret ingredient is mayonnaise. Yes, mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. It's a southern thing. But so I'm looking at what we had for our wrap of questions. And um, yeah, besides the next Captain Ginger project that's coming out for June, and besides the young adults DC books that Wheezy is working on, are there any other new projects that we can expect besides this five-issue power pack thing that's coming out in X amount of time? I'm, I'm working on 
I'm actually almost finished with a mini series for Storm King Kids, which is Sandy Carpenter's comic book company. Uh, it's a uh, animal hybrids because I've always loved the idea of <laughs> crossbreeding human and humans and animals. Bad-grown critters that are more or less considered essentially their assets that are owned by a corporation, and the trouble they get into and how they finally break free and become their own creatures. It's a science fiction thing. Nice, I like it. Maybe doing so something else that I can't think of. I was like, I keep doing these different <laughs> things that I, I, I keep. People say, "What did you do?" or "What are you doing?" <laughs> know that there's something that I've forgotten. There is something I've forgotten. I can't remember what it is now. And June? You know, I'm doing, well, I mean, Captain Ginger is going to keep me pretty busy. And then um, I do a, a newspaper comic strip called Mary Worth. God willing, I'll still be doing that. And that's that's probably the other only other thing I'm doing is I have to finish. I'm thesis for my MFA in illustration. And that's going to be a children's book called The True Story of Cowboy Keith. And um, I'm, I somehow need to get that done by the end of October. So that's going to be interesting. But that's, that's basically it. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. I do have, I remember what it, it was. I, it's a Shazam story that I'm doing for DC. It's just an, it's an eight pager that Brett Blevins is drawing. That's particularly fun for me because I haven't really worked with Brett since. Um, we did New Mutants a million years ago. So it's like, yay. All homework again. <laughs> You're just having the hits with all the all of your old fa favorites, yeah, aren't you? I'm loving it. Just um, on a, another podcast last night um, was was talking to Brett, and he he said that he was doing that story. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. What what other podcast were you on? Uh name of it. <laughs> uh, um, hosted by Mike Manley, Brett Blevins, and um, Jamar Nicholson. Okay, editing Rick here. The podcast that June Brigman was talking about was called Pencil to Pencil, and the episode she was on was released on August the 15th, 2019. Thank you so much for joining us. We really have enjoyed uh, this chance to get to talk to you and the chances that we had to talk to you in the past. We really, 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 really love it and have really enjoyed it. So again, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having this is a, we are two fanboys who once again, never thought that we'd have this kind of an opportunity to be talking to our heroes, the people that we loved reading, the, the people that inspired us as kids. So just the fact that you guys have not only agreed to talk to us once, but agreed to talk to us twice and, and we can help you promote your books and the things that you do, that this really does mean a lot to us. Mm -hmm. Well, thank, thanks for having us. And, you know, um, I really appreciate the support. I mean, it's because of, of guys like you that Power Pack's still out there. It's, it's a small but loyal fan following. And, um, you know, it, it's, really, it's really great that you do this. Thank you. Thank you a lot. It's been great. Yeah, just the fan base. What's funny is it is worldwide, the people that are fans of uh, what you two created. It's really, really interesting just to see the kind of the dynamics where it's like, wow, this is all across the world of people that uh, like what you had created and I'm sure are excited to see more. Hope so. <laughs> Thank you. It's you, you probably know more about that than we do. Yeah, it's just the fact that we're, you know, kind of deep diving it into it every, every two weeks that we are... Uh, uh, <laughs> being more familiar with it than you right now. And and also just, we're doing the show, we get a lot of responses back, and we get people that are just like, we are big fans, and we love listening to this, and we love hearing the stories again, and we love remembering reading the story when we were younger, and, and just the nostalgia factor coming back for them. 
And then seeing how they're uh, passing it on to the next generation where they're like, I read this when I was 14 and now I'm introducing my children to it. And I never thought that I would introduce my, my two girls uh, to this and they love it. And so, yeah, it, it's neat to see kind of how, you know, this is kind of sparked a little generational kind of transference from people just kind of passing part of their childhood on to their own children. I mean, I, w- I was down here today and I'm, you know, I'm setting things up and I've got Carrie reading the, the power pack story and we're talking about it as she's reading it. And, you know, she really is enjoying it and getting excited about it. So I, I, I always love hearing that the people that, that listen to us always get excited. Uh, when, uh, we're interviewing a creator and especially you two, we've gotten very big responses on that where people are very excited to, uh, hear you talk about your babies. So, so I think that uh, people will really like this one too. Thanks. I, I appreciate your asking us. I appreciate you saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys very much and enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your summer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wheezy. Thank you so much, June. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 June. Bye, Wheezy. Shout out time. We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 35, our interview with Jeremy Whitley. The Art Classroom. Chris at BTO Bat Books. Cullen Stapleton and John Holloway and the worst comic podcast ever. Dr. Rorschach Hound. Drew Dillon. Gal walks into a comic shop. Gary Key. Gene Hendricks. Gibson, who got so interested in hearing us talk about the Unstoppable Wasp that he wants to go check it out. Green Lantern HG. Hoover Jeremiah. Jeff Pollier. Our guest for the episode, Jeremy Whitley. Thank you again, Jeremy. Keith Baker. Let's talk New Warriors. Limax 7. Holy carp, Jeremy just name-dropped my hometown. The comic shop is still there and owned by the same person as when I was going there in the 80s. Max Traver. Nicholas Prom in the Comic Reflections podcast. NZ Waffles. Pat Christatos Samson and the Longbox Crusade. Paul Young. Reggie Reggie. Ryan Summers. Sailor Bear Zodar. Spider Ed, Far From Home. Stephen Platts. Townf, Agent of Girl. Tim Price. Trekker Talk. Warlord Worlds. And we have a new Patreon supporter, Doug Jones. Thank you, Doug. Doug displays discerning and deep dexterity doing digital discovery. Uh, huh? He's a geocacher. Ah. And a quick reminder that on September 13th, 14th, and 15th, Portland Rose City Comic Con will be going on. I will be there helping out at the Heroes Initiative table most of those days. So stop on by, see me there, or see me walking around Rose City Comic Con, and uh, I'll give you a sticker. That's a deal. And we want to do one final thank you to June and Wheezy for taking their time on a sunny summer afternoon to talk with us online. It was amazingly wonderful. Yeah, it was a pleasure to uh, get the chance to talk to them and to hear about uh, just kind of their creative process and the, you know, the issue that's coming out at hand. And also very, very specially to find out there's going to be some more power pack coming up, guys. There's going to be some more power pack. We get to break that. Yay. Yeah. Vaguely breaking news that might come out before this issue is dropped. But yeah, five more, uh, five more. Yeah. A new mini series. I know. That's sometime be, in the future. Sometime in the future about some subject. I bet power kids will be in it. We are going to enjoy it and it's going to be awesome. And it's really cool that they get to do this. Yeah, it really is. And that they were asked by Marvel. The fact they were asked is fantastic. And the fact that they're like, yeah, we could do some more of that. I love the fact that they still love this property and that they're not like, you know what? That was, 
that was 30 years ago. I'm done. I've moved on. I'm not that person anymore. It's like, yeah, really getting back into that headspace. Uh, it makes me so happy. Very happy. We are Jeff and Rick present, and we record and self-produce our podcast in a getting warm basement in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to talk with us, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick present, our email address, Jeff and Rick present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick present wordpress.com please rate and review us on itunes or stitcher or whatever media sites allow you to do that anymore if they still exist this will help other people find us and as always we want to thank the powerful people in our pack my wife cindy and our daughter carrie my fiance hillary and our daughter aurora we love, love you. you until next time costumes off Our theme music is 80s Action by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Uh, you know, if you want to do Jack and Alex's voice, you're going to have to raise your pitch a little bit. Your voices are a little deep for those guys. Um, you, you haven't listened to our show, have you, yet? <laughs> <laughs> we, I, 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 do, I do pitch up my own voice for Alex. and I think- Show us Alex. Come on, give us Alex. Okay. Hey, Jack, why are you reading those old comic books? I don't call them old comics. I call them classic comics. And I'm reading them because classic comic books are good. And the modern comics just aren't the same. Because as we've discussed before, Jack has a very old soul and is curmudgeonly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Never. Yes, exactly. Fantastic idea, Jeff. That's why I got you around. I'm, uh, I'm not just a pretty face. You are a pretty face. And there they start falling off the off the old Discord. There they go. Aw. Well, that was nice. That worked very well. That was very nice.